Welcome to the Juno Report, brought to you by Guide Dog Users Incorporated, a special interest affiliate of the American Council of the Blind. The Juno Report is a monthly audio magazine featuring all things guide dogs, training programs, and items of general interest to guide dog teams. We welcome your feedback, ideas, and suggestions. Get in touch with the Juno Report by emailing junoreport at guidedogusersinc.org. Again, that email address is Juno, J-U-N-O, report at guidedogusersinc.org. I love my dog. And now, let's get on with today's program of the Juno Report. Welcome to this month's edition of the Juno Report for October 2019. I'm your host, Deb Cook-Lewis, and I'll be with you each month along with our special guests who will be joining us on various shows. One of the unique features of the Juno Report is that we also have the ability to occasionally do a live show, so stay tuned for those. As mentioned in the introduction, we really do want your comments and feedback, so please don't hesitate to connect with us, give us your ideas, feedback, and anything you'd like to add to the Juno Report. This month, the Juno Report is going to feature interesting material from the Guide Dog Users Incorporated recent 2019 convention held in conjunction with the Convention of the American Council of the Blind. We had a number of great speakers and presentations, and we'll feature some of these throughout the year. Many of these are also available in podcast form through ACB Radio, so check those out as well. Our presentations today will be the luncheon speaker, our own GDUI treasurer, Lynn Merrill, who is going to uh, give us a wonderful um, discussion of her hiking experiences. And we'll also hear about the awards that were presented this year at the Guide Dog Users Incorporated Convention. So we'll be hearing from Charlie Crawford about that later on. We've also got some announcements in this issue of the Juno Report, so stay tuned for those as well. Now, let's join Lynn Merrill at the luncheon presentation. So I'm sorry he's not here, but I'm dedicating this today to Lucas Frank. So... um, My story begins with six years ago um, as an old grandmother and an old student going to college full-time. Something in me said, you should try to climb Mount Katahdin, Maine's highest peak and the uh, end of the Appalachian Trail if you're traveling northward. Um, My guide dog at the time, Libby, was only three years old and very strong, and I was getting older, and this was something I always wanted to do. So I thought, well, let me see if I can get a team together, and if it works, it does. If it doesn't, it doesn't. So most of my friends and family said, you stupid, stupid, stupid girl, you shouldn't do that. You're too old. That's behind you. But uh, I got a few people who were interested and I called Fidelco to see if maybe they would send one of their instructors 
with me on the hike in case it became too taxing for Libby, because Katahdin is certainly a, a strenuous hike, to say the least. It took us three days to do it. Um, so they assigned Chris, who at the time, you were an apprentice, weren't you? Yes, at that oh. time I was an apprentice. <laughs> the stupid, stupid, stupid boy. <laughs> he said he's going to come with us. <clears throat> and I uh, also asked one of Maine's pretty notable uh, journalists who does a weekly show um, on the NBC affiliate called Bill Green's Maine. And I asked Bill Green if he would be interested in accompanying us as well, and he was, and he, he documented it. And in fact, I will play his story shortly, but it won an Edward R. Murrow Award, and it was nominated for an Emmy. So we were, we were quite proud of, of, of the product. But the most important thing is how Fidelco supported me on this adventure. I wasn't an experienced hiker. I, I was simply a grandmother who had a guide dog who wanted to accomplish a goal that she had had her entire life. And they sent to me Chris. We met for the first time the night before we left for the trek. And he, he it certainly is an experienced, a highly experienced hiker, camper, hunter, everything. And he, you know, fitted my backpack to me and, and off we went on points unknown. None of us knew what we were going to experience. So I'm going to let Chris say a few words before I put the video on. Sure, thank you, Lynn. I'm Chris Eastwood, an instructor with Fidelco, and I remember... You have to get closer. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, there you go. Chris Eastwood, an instructor with Fidelco. I remember when Lynn called Fidelco to inquire about getting some assistance um, on her, her epic journey that she proposed to us, and I actually jumped at the opportunity. I thought, wow, what an exciting opportunity to... Uh, gain this incredible experience and you know it was really just that we had a blast and we learned so much on our trip together it was uh spring in northern maine so conditions were wet i think it rained two of the three days and um you know we wouldn't have it any other way so it was a great adventure and uh an experience i will never forget so before I begin the video, which is just going to be audio for you, it's not being projected anywhere, um, we left on a Friday in June, and it was Friday, June 13th. So we left on Friday the 13th under a full moon, and Mercury was in retrograde. Three nights before, there was still four feet of snow at the peak of Katahdin. So there was a lot of water for us to get through to reach the peak. Uh, but I'll show you, I'll let you listen to the video, and then we'll say a few more words after. The Wabanaki called it Katahdin. It means highest land, greatest mountain. For most Mainers, it's more of a symbol of the state than a lobster or a lighthouse. Easy. Nice. Lynn Merrill is a Mainer through and through, and she's always wanted to climb her native state's highest peak. For me, it is a turning point. I have wanted to do this since I was a teenager, but life got in the way. And then when um, it seemed that I would be able to do it, then I lost my vision. So life once again got in the way. 
That's right. Lynn Merrill is blind. She's attempting to fulfill a lifelong dream with her dog Libby and an entourage that includes her son Joseph and Chris Eastwood of the Fidelco Guide Dog Foundation. What I can see through my eyes is not a great deal. I have about 10 degrees of vision in my right eye only. I have no vision in my left eye. So I guess uh, I could explain it to you as if you put um, glasses on and covered them with wax paper and then covered all of that except for 10 degrees in the lower corner. That's what I can see. But she can hear. Leave it. She can hear what almost seems like a constant warning of her closest friend Libby, a four and a half year old German shepherd. And over that crevice. It's okay. Come on. And she can feel. She can feel the tug of Libby's harness responding to the command of a very concerned master. Is that safe? That's a puddle. Katahdin is part of Baxter State Park, land left to the people of Maine by a governor who wanted it left wild and free. It's backcountry, hardened by a hundred years of hiking. <laughs> Thank you. And the hikers have beaten down the path, and last night's heavy rain has made the trail wet. Either right or left foot. For two days, more than nine hours of climbing up, Lynn has been given guidance by Chris. On difficult pitches, her son Joseph has stood right behind to catch her should she fall. We're going to keep going left a little bit. Joe's wife Justine and friend Judy Blondin round out our band, each drawing inspiration from Lynn. But there are problems. In places, the trail is like a rushing stream. The water is chilling and slippery. And for Lynn, it's an enormous problem as it affects her hearing. Sometimes in the moving water or in big boulders, she hands off Libby's leash and grabs a bandana to be led by Chris or Joe. I think the noise blocks out a lot of what you hear. So I... So we used a bandana that I could still feel some of Chris's movements through. How are your feet? Wet. <laughs> and I have good boots. Yeah. But that's okay. I imagine everybody's wet. Doesn't matter how waterproof your shoes are when you're... When it goes in over, yeah. That's okay. This is strange. Ah, this feels like we're going to fall through. Libby, find a way. As we work our way up the slides, the clouds seem to follow us across the valley below. Finally, we are on Katahdin's tableland, one mile from the summit. So, we're doing it, guys. Yeah. All right, what do you see? It's, it's all windy. The tableland looks easier than it is, and it features one last crown of big boulders just below the summit. It takes more than an hour to slowly, painstakingly, navigate across it. We're going to go from saying we're doing it to we did it. <laughs> Almost hesitatingly, Lynn makes the final push and fulfills a lifelong dream. We're doing it, Libby. <laughs> Keep going.
Did we say we did it? You did it, Len. Signs on your left. I can't believe it. That's the sign on your left. I didn't expect to be like this. Libby. You can reach out to your right. We are here. Way to go, man. Directly behind you. <laughs> We're here. There it is. Yep. We're here. Congratulations, Lynn. Thank you. I need a good sob. <laughs> we went from saying we're doing it to we did it. <laughs> As we reached the summit, other hikers seemed to appear out of the mist, and soon there were more than a dozen celebrating at the spot known as Baxter Peak. So what do you see from here? It's gray. Nothing. Gray all the way around. Oh. All the way around. That's the, um, oh, man, the irony of this. We climb Mount Katahdin and we can't see anything. We can't see anything. Welcome to my world. Here at the top, lunch is well earned and always tastes good. It's a place where people tend to reflect on the paths of life that they have walked. If you're in that same accident and you lose your vision, they say, have a nice life. And you kind of have to figure out, how do I, what are my resources to have a nice life? Um, There are resources out there through the Division for the Blind and Visually Impaired with the state, but it's not... it's not what you would expect when you have when you lose a significant life function like that. But so many skills you just have to develop on your own and develop your courage on your own and realize that you can do anything. Lynn says she wants to be thought of not as blind, but competent and confident. Her climb of Katahdin helps prove that. And because of her use of touch and hearing, it is fair to say that Lynn Merrill saw more from the top of Katahdin than anyone else. Yeah, so going down was worse. And I, I have to say, there was no, there, there were no walking down. Um, there was one head wall, I guess I would call it. And I was clinging to that like a monkey clings to a tree. I had four points of contact. And oftentimes, if I tried to reach, you know, Chris was beneath me, my son was above me, and Chris would say, okay, take your right hand and reach over six inches and down about four inches, there's a rock there. And I would reach for it, and it would come out. So we'd have to find something else. And all the while, Chris's voice, Chris, say it so they can hear your voice. (laughs) Say, always keep three points. Yeah, you always want to keep those three points of contact, right, Lynn? I heard that a thousand times coming down that head wall. And it must have taken us two and a half hours to at least... Oh, Mike. Oh. It, it must have taken us at least two and a half hours to come down that head wall alone. And I know at one point I was hyperventilating because I suddenly realized there was nothing around me, nothing up, nothing out, nothing beneath me, except Chris beneath me and my son above me. 
but uh, we made it. It was it was grueling, but it was three days, and we reached the peak, and we made it back safely, which, of course, was our goal. Go ahead. Oh, absolutely. There was um, definitely some precarious stretches of the trail. Coming down was a bit more challenging. You had gravity pulling you down. Um, or the path was submerged under four to eight inches of water most of the time. So you're kind of walking through a creek, and there were some vertical descents as well, which obviously proposed unique challenges when you're working with a dog in in the situation as well. So we had some ropes involved, and we lowered her down. But um, it was a blast. You know, I had a great time, and I'd like to take a moment to thank Lynn for the opportunity to have that kind of an experience. (laughs) It was... um, just an incredible time. Yeah, it was it was awesome. Thank you. And, and so more I would like to say about our relationship with our guide dog schools. Obviously, Fidelka went above and beyond in providing an instructor for three days on a journey like that. And um, beyond that, I have had some illnesses that I've had to deal with, um, sometimes asking Fidelco to take my guide for four or six or seven weeks. And even most recently, they had Grayson for me for six months while I was recovering from a surgery. And they are so supportive uh, and so encouraging. And it is, it is so nice to know that your school is behind you no matter what it is that you embark on, whether it's just getting to work each day or fulfilling those dreams. Absolutely. At Fidelco, of course, we do provide follow-up support for the entire working career of the dog, but it's so much more than that. We build these incredible relationships with our graduates that last a lifetime. And for me, that's... uh, That's really my favorite part about this position is I get to create these relationships with so many special individuals that have really changed my life. So So are there any questions that people have? Otherwise, we call it a wrap. Vicki? Vicki? Oh, I'd love to know. First of all, that's amazing. I I think that would be fun to try. Let me ask Astro how he feels. What what kind of boots did you wear? What what kind of foot gear did you have? I went to Maine's infamous LL Bean, where they have many types of boots and many experts in fitting your foot to a boot. And it was a, a, a hiking boot that went up above my ankle, but they also ensured that it fit right. And that was by ensuring that once I laced the boot up tightly and then bent my foot behind me and tap, tap, tap my toes on the, on the ground behind me, that my toes would not hit the box of the boot because you'd lose nails on your way back down um, doing that. Uh, so I had, had excellent boots. And, of course, I broke them in, too. I did a lot of hiking for uh, almost a year before doing it. I tried to get boots from Raffaire for Libby, and she would not wear them. She'd have nothing, 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 nothing to do with it. Any other questions? Yeah. How long did it take to go to Cooper after that? Like, which 
The question was, how long did it take the dog to recuperate after the hike? Um, she, she was in a little bit of pain for a few days, and um, I called the vet. I was sitting in my living room, and Libby was laying there, and I called the vet, and I said, Libby seems to be in a little bit of pain after doing this hike. And actually, my vet had wanted to come with us, too, but his uh, schedule didn't allow it. So he said, well, you know, bring her in tomorrow, and we'll uh, have a look at her. I said, thank you, and hung up. And Libby stood up and said, I'm fine. I'm not going to the vet. Nothing's wrong with me. So I didn't take her. Raise your hand if you have another question. Lynn, it's Charlie Crawford. Uh, Welcome back, Charlie. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) I I just want to say that... um, like, you know, I, I've been accused of having a lot of guts before, but never anything like climbing a mountain <laughs> with a guide dog and saying, yes, yeah, it's just another day. Thank you. <laughs> but Willow I just, agrees. I want to I congratulate you and, and your dog and, and Thank Chris you. and all the folks on the, on the walk. It's just incredible. And so congratulations. I just Lastly, I guess the question I'd have is, so when are you doing Mount McKinley? Uh, no. Actually, Chris and I have talked about doing Mount Washington, the Seek the Peak. Just, you know, life gets in the way once in a while. So maybe that'll happen before I get too old for this business. This is Deb Lewis. And my question is, how do you get the dog down those vertical uh, descents? Yeah, that's a good question. So... Uh, we, we did bring some ropes with us and uh, was able, I'm pretty handy with, with uh, ropes and knots, so we were able to sa- safely lower the dog vertically down some of these, these drop-offs. <laughs> Willow will have nothing to do with <laughs> On occasion, we would have to lower the dog anywhere from 10 to 15 feet at a time. Um, so it's not something you can jump off of or, or anything like that. It, but it's slow going, and if you take your time and uh, you know how to do these things, that you can, they can be done safely and appropriately. So, Hello, this is Pam Metz. Lynn, how did you feel? I heard some of the expression, but how did you actually feel when your foot touched that top, that, the top of that mountain? I was in tears. You just had me in tears, okay? Yeah. I, I was losing it as we were getting closer, and I didn't understand why I was feeling that emotional, uh, but I, I was just crying. And, I mean, they had hours and hours and hours of footage to put this thing together. And when I heard all of that sobbing, I said, Bill, couldn't you have cut that out and, you know, get some of it of us coming down that face wall? And he said, Lynn, that was the best part. That was the most moving part was you losing it up there. So, yeah, I just felt totally overwhelmed that we had done it. Yeah, yeah. When, when you reached the top of the mountain, how, how long did you stay up there? We didn't stay up there long. We uh, talked for a while with Bill. We had a lunch and water, and then we headed down, I would say within 45 minutes of reaching the peak, because the clouds had come in and it was beginning to rain. Um, and, you know, I, I have to underscore, there was no dirt path on this hike. 
It was all boulder to boulder, high step up, as Chris would say, big step down, as Chris would say. say. And at some points, I, I think I said this in my commencement speech when I graduated last year, at some points we were having to jump from boulder to boulder and Libby's leash wasn't long enough to allow her to make those leaps while still tethered. Um, so Chris would get on one boulder, and then he would give me oral cues to get to the edge of my boulder. And then with his hiking stick, he'd go tap, tap, tap. He'd say, okay, Lynn, you have to jump. You've got to land it right here. Tap, tap, tap. And, you know, I'd say, one foot, both feet, you know, how do we do this? And it depended on, on the leap, but there were a lot of giant leaps of faith on, on that thing. And uh, it we re- did it. It requires a lot of trust. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Hi, Lynn. It's Maria Kay. And first, I totally was in tears, too, when you came up there. So I agree. That was really the best part. Um, but everything. Um, how did you prepare, you know, Libby for that? Something like that, seeing you, you know, jump from boulder to boulder and, you know, having her feel safe and just, you know, traveling up the rocks and such. I know you mentioned you hiked a lot before, so I assume that was with her. But did you do anything special? Were there any, like, specific commands that you, you know, taught her relating to this or anything like that? I, I didn't. And that was probably a mistake that was on my part because... Because many of these things where I was telling Libby to go forward were in complete contradiction to everything she had ever learned. She kept crossing over in front of me saying, this isn't safe, this isn't safe. And, you know, I'd have to tell her, we're doing this, Libby, let's go ahead, jump, you know, let's go. And um, at other points, my son... My son primarily was staying with me, but my daughter-in-law and her friend Judy uh, a few times would take Libby on the leash and um, guide her or, you know, help her through some of the difficult places. And at one point, actually, Chris said, Lynn, just let her go. She'll find her way. You know, she's in her natural element. I said, Chris, I have never had Libby off a leash. I don't think Fidelka will be very pleased with me if I lose my dog on the mountain. (laughs) And I think Chris said, I am Fidelco. I'm telling you. (laughs) Let her go, she'll find her way. And she's not going to get very far away from you. You She's keeping you in her sight. So, yeah, it was a learning experience the whole way. Hey, this is Brad. Um, Brad. Lynn, I I loved it too, and and I will admit I was tearing up. Um, So I think it's good that they included the sobbing because, um, yeah, it got us really into it. So anyway, I can't imagine how I would answer this question I'm going to ask you, but did you decide ahead of time, whether you wanted Chris to tell you that, hey, there's a 10-foot drop there if you fall, or hey, there's a 100-foot drop there if you fall, because I'm not sure what I could handle. No, I, I didn't ask for any information in advance. I just took it in as, I, as we got to each point, um, and it was just at, at one point on that face wall that I suddenly realized there's nothing around me. And I, I know I started hyperventilating, and we had to, we had to Chris had to talk me back into normal breathing, um, that, you know, we were going to make it, and we just had to take it one foothold at a time. And then at, at one point, we were back below the tree line, and Chris asked me if I had to you know, take a break in the woods to go to the bathroom. I said, Chris, I've been doing that all along, you know. 
No special stops necessary. <laughs> well, thank you, uh, Lynn and Chris, and thank you, Fidelco, and uh, thank you, Libby, for a wonderful presentation. I think uh, that's very, very exciting, and certainly not something uh, this uh, podcast host is likely to do anytime in the near future, but it was a wonderful presentation, and as you can see, everyone really, really enjoyed it a lot. A regular feature of the Juno Report will be monthly announcements of upcoming events. If you know of an upcoming event that would be of interest to our listeners, don't hesitate to let us know here at the Juno Report. Here's an announcement that we think you'll all enjoy. After another wonderful, fun-filled, and heartwarming Top Dog 2019 hosted by Dixieland Guide Dog users in Charleston, South Carolina, Missouri Guide Dog users is happy to announce we will be hosting the next Top Dog 2021 in St. Louis, Missouri. When? May 20th to 23rd, 2021. Where? the Sheraton Westport Lakeside Chalet Hotel in St. Louis. Come one, come all, and join Missouri Guide Dog users in meeting up with old friends and making new ones. The room rates are $105 plus tax per night. You have a choice of a king or two double beds, subject to availability, of course. The room rate is available from Monday, May 17th to Tuesday, May 25th, 2021, at this special conference rate. For those who need or want a little more time to catch up or sightsee in beautiful St. Louis. What are you waiting for? Make sure you contact Sarah Calhoun at sc Tyco, T-I-C-O, at T-T dot net to get on the Top Dog 2021 email list so you don't miss out on any updates or details. Start saving your pennies and packing your bags. Come see what the Show Me State has to offer. Good food, friends, exciting things to learn, and fun things to do. Set your sights on St. Louis and join us for a fun-filled and exciting Top Dog Weekend Conference. And you want to be sure and be part of that conference. I know it's going to be just a wonderful experience. We had an update from Sarah about the conference, and that is that the hotel will be accepting reservations in June of 2020. So that's why I didn't give you information about how to contact the hotel yet. They're not ready for us. <laughs> no, that's right. All right. I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that another feature of uh, today's Juno report is that we will be hearing the awards presentation from the GDUI convention luncheon. Uh, that was presented by uh, Charlie Crawford, and the awards are always such a wonderful opportunity to honor GDUI members, friends, and others. So let's join Charlie now for the awards presentation. Good afternoon, everybody. Good afternoon. I have to say, this is a very ironic convention. First of all, I go to the hospital for a couple of days. Now, that's one way to enjoy a convention, but not one I recommend. Then secondly, I get here, and what do I get for a door prize? A medical kit. <laughs> but it's for the dog. It's for the, for the dog, dog, I know. 
<laughs> That's really funny. That's awesome. <laughs> that wasn't even planned. I know. <laughs> anyway, I want to I want to congratulate um, want to congratulate Lynn on a wonderful story. I mean, to have that kind of um, persistence and 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 um, just basic um, belief in yourself to to go ahead and do something like that is so incredible and so good that it's an inspiration to all of us. I think. So congratulations, Lynn. You're welcome. And I also want to congratulate Andrea. What a wonderful job she's done at this convention. <laughs> Thank you. I saw her the other day, and she began to apologize for ribbing me at the uh, auction. I said I loved her sense of humor. And it's true. She really has a great sense of humor. So congratulations, Andrea. Thank you so much. Now, I... I, I know that the awards are an important thing, and I, and I want to present the awards in a way that builds towards what I think is um, uh, a consummation of the point. And uh, we all know that it all begins with the puppies. And it all begins with the willingness of a person to uh, take a dog and, and work with that dog over a year's period of time, helping us uh, accustom ourselves to doing the right thing and not, you know, not being on the rug and that sort of stuff. And um, and then working in in um, in social situations with that dog, so that the dog becomes acquainted with um, the world at large and becomes used to just being out in public, and then ultimately uh, giving the dog back to the school in order for us us to benefit from that dog's uh, that dog's expertise and that person's love, and um, that's just an incredible gift that is given to all of us by the puppy raisers. In addition to that, the person who, was, who won this year's award for um, for having been such an inspiration and such a help to people who are um, who are blind and, and guide dog users is the person that um, actually worked with uh, an, an organization right here in New York State in Albany um, and helped in in terms of spreading the word about guide dogs and what um, what a wonderful friend they are and assistant to people who are blind. And for that, I am, I am really grateful. I know that the folks in New York are very grateful. And I just want to say thank you so much to, uh, for, on behalf of um, Nellen Bender and the award we give for that kind of service and assistance to folks who are blind. And her name is Cheryl Lawyer. Cheryl, you here? Do you have your words there? I am here. Okay, great. You want me to come up here? Yep, I sure do. Do we have any awards? Do you have your awards? I even want you to say something. Oh, you do? Uh, yeah, oh, I know. Wow. So, <laughs> well, I'm really bashful, so. Oh, come on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you who know how bashful I am, so. Um, but in all seriousness, I was just, and if I, I get choked up real easy when I talk <laughs> about the puppies, so. Um, I was really, really flattered, humbled, happy, thrilled, humbled that um, I was nominated for this award by my friend uh, Annie. And um, it's been a journey of, you know, creating a, a guide dog is a journey of, it's a labor of love, as many of you know. It takes a village. I'm just representative, one representative of many, many, many volunteers and puppy raisers that start the process. I started 15 years ago. Uh, with my first dog, and I've helped raise through the coordinator through um, Guiding Eyes for the Blind over 100 pups uh, over the years and work for the Association of the Blind. And through that, in Albany, and through that uh, relationship, 
doing outreach, got involved with ACB, and made a lot of my guide dog friends. So this has also been a journey of friendship and love. And um, I'm only here for the dogs, guys. You know, I'm only here for the beer. I'm only here for the dogs. They're all mine. You know, all my friends will will tell you that. But um, I'm just, on behalf of all the puppy raisers, um, I I accept this honor. I'm really, really proud. So thank you. Congratulations. So and just a word about Ms. Bender. Wow. She and I would have been good friends, although <laughs> I understand she was quite a knitter. I am not a knitter, but I make great dog tug toys. So if you haven't, um, there's some on the, I don't know, oh, the tables are closed. Yeah. But um, ACBNY can hook you up with some awesome tug toys that I make if you're interested. So My dog has already proven one. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, good, good, good. <laughs> now, is the, who has the awards here? Oh, yes, yes. Uh, is that is that right side up? It is. But okay. my friend Jerry's going to come and take a picture okay. of us. Help me out of this. I, I so we're no, going to no, hold no. it just like this. Okay, great. And Jerry, just say hello. So Charles, <laughs> hey Jerry. Okay, Super. Thank you. All right. Congratulations, Thank you. Can I give you a hug, Charles? Sure. <laughs> it's nice to finally meet you with all the emails back and forth. Thank you. And thank you, everybody. And just, Anyway, thank you. <laughs> wow. I don't know. Sometimes these things get to me as well, like all the time. <laughs> anyway, uh, my second um, my second award to be given this afternoon is um, a pretty a pretty special one. Um, those of you that uh, knew um, Mark, I'm sorry. Um, Ooh, I guess right here. Ooh. Okay. Those of you that knew Marlena uh, Lyberg um, knew that she was a wonderful person and that she she did so much, so much to advance the, uh, the image of blind people and of guide dogs. Um, and she worked tirelessly for ACB and for GDY, and she was just a wonderful advocate. In addition, um, Ken Metz, who was a man who... Uh, who was so so special that that he always served uh, for so many years, helping people with the advocacy efforts on his part for guide dogs and and beyond. And so, both of them had a special talent for helping people to understand the real meaning of what it is to to have a guide dog and to to be as independent and productive as you can be simply because you have that assistance from an animal that gives you so much love in return for what you give it. And so we created the Lyberg Metz Award only to ensure that their memory, as well as the, what they did, uh, would be remembered for all time, hopefully, and, and by Guide Dog Users Incorporated has benefited so much in all of us from what they have done for us. Donna, I mean, um, Marlena was a very personal friend of mine, and uh, so it really gives me extreme pleasure to uh, introduce to you the winner of the um, Lyberg Metz Award this year, and she is a person who herself has spoken about um, what it is to to come up from where you are in your own life and and to blossom as a person and to understand what it is to be a full human being. And um, in the words of the person who nominated her, um, she um, she read the "Follow Your Dog" and uh, always remembered that and told all her friends that got guide dogs to read that book. They got guide dogs and they knew exactly what she meant. 
So it's my pleasure to introduce to you Ms. Ann Chiapetta for this award. Ann, are you here? I'm here. All right. <laughs> um, there you are, Charlie. There you are. Charlie, great to see you. It's good to see you. Now, here's <laughs> oh, the award. Oh, and thank I want you. To you. Say something nice to the audience. Okay. <laughs> thank you. All right. Ooh, big award. Okay. Yeah. There you go. All right. And we'll, we'll, right in we'll, front of you is the uh, microphone. Okay. Careful, like to jump on you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, there it is. Okay. Good afternoon, everybody. Um, I'd like to say thank you to Charlie and and um, and his committee for uh, nominating me, uh, for everybody to be here today, for the people who actually put my name in for the nomination, uh, and uh, to Will Burley for letting me put my writing in portraits, giving me a chance to, uh, to share the word. <laughs> uh, and um, a little bit about Marlena. Uh, I met her a few times, you know, over the years at conventions and things like that. Um, and I know she was a staunch advocate and uh, someone to uh, to emulate. So hopefully through, you know, writing and advocating on behalf of guide dog users, we can all do that um, in her memory. Uh, and then uh, Ken Metz. Um, Ken uh, was always very supportive of all guide dog users. He, he would come in and he would give his advice and uh, and just... Uh, he had unconditional positive regard for everybody and everything. Mm -hmm. um, and when I got Bailey, my second dog, I told him my dog's name, and he said, I had a dog named Bailey. He was a little crazy, but he was a great worker. <laughs> <laughs> so he made me feel much better because that was my Bailey. So, um, and uh, I, I just thank you, everybody, from the bottom of my heart. Lynn, every time I think about what you did, uh, and, and, and I listened to your video, like everybody else, and brought to tears. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm so glad you were up here today to share that, because it was really important to hear. And so, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. Congratulations. Thanks, Charlie. All righty. Okay, raising now. Just rest there. Don't, don't go anywhere, raising now. <laughs> don't need you visiting the next universe. Okay. okay. Um, you all set in? Yeah. Okay. Good. Ooh. Find this Oh. That was the microphone, not me. Um, last but not least, um, you know, we talked about. I thought I was. Okay. Is that better? Okay. Last but not least, we talked about the raising of the puppies and, and the advertising of blind folks and guide dogs, and then we talked about the personal messages and the written word of celebrating what it is to have a guide dog and to live your life as an independent person. So I thought it would be really fitting to save the last award for a man who I think has epitomized what it is to be successful without having to um, wear a you know, $20 million whatever on your head and... and um, be real brash and all that. Somebody who has done an incredible amount of work on behalf of blind people and, uh, and never expected the, um, the, all the accolades that he truly deserves for what he's done. And um, I speak of a man who, um, who has dealt with 
uh, vision loss for many years. I didn't know that he got his first guide dog about the same time I got mine. So there you go. Different class, but same school. Anyway, um, he, uh, he distinguished himself pretty much immediately by um, becoming a real whiz at computers, obviously, and, um, and was the uh, person who was the first to develop and, and um, get computers, talking computers, in the hands of blind people. And that's an amazing accomplishment because back then it was hardly even thought of. The only place I had seen it happen at all was at MIT. So um, that was the beginning and hardly the end of a long and distinguished career of doing good things for people who are blind. This man has also served on the board of directors of the Seeing Eye, and he served as the, um, as the person leading up the International um, Guide Dog School and Federation, and those are not easy things to do. They're very difficult, but they take a certain kind of person with a certain dedication to do what he has done. Thank you, thank you. That is his name in dog, but unfortunately, we have to translate that into English. It is my personal and, and professional pleasure and uh, honor to introduce to you the, inner, the winner of this year's um, Moffat Gleitz Award, which is an award for a blind person who has done important things in the world of, of blindness and guide dogs to advance and make better the lives of blind people. And it could no, not in any way be more truly said than for Dr. James Kutch, president of the Seeing Eye, winner of this year's award. Jim? Okay, Raisin, now behave yourself. Remember, you're a Seeing Eye dog, and he's the president. Okay, so you get me. Speak to me off the microphone, Charlie. <laughs> Say what? Yeah, right over here. Yeah, those corner speakers make it real good. Yeah. yeah, I know. Biggest thing. Where are you? Uh, I'm on your left now, okay. I think. Yes. Can you go right back? Oh, cool. Yeah. It's a, it's a certificate that congratulates you and, and mentions prominently who you are. <laughs> and I want to I wanna say personal congratulations to you, Jim, and, and best wishes to you in Vegas. And uh, if you'd like to say a few words, we'd appreciate that. Thank you, Charlie. Just read it. Thank you, Charlie. Well, Charlie told me I had a chance to talk, so I prepared an hour's worth of remarks, <laughs> but um, decided that uh, I'm keeping all these dogs from the relief area. And the last thing you want to do is keep a dog from the relief area. So, Charlie, I can't thank you enough, and it is very special for me personally to be recognized by a group of peers, all of us who have used dogs. And as Charlie said, he and I have used dogs for a long time. I got mine when, my first seeing eye dog when I was a, a freshman in college a long, long time ago. <laughs> and, uh, and the dogs have been with me in every important piece of life, as I can say that for all of you. You know, we, would we have done the same things without our dogs? Probably, but not as easily mm -hmm. and not as gracefully. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's what the difference of having a dog by our sides is, is to have that grace and ease and enhancement of, of whatever we're doing in life. So on behalf of me personally, and of course the seeing eye, thank you, thank Charlie, thank the GDOI, 
and ACB, and uh, I wish you all safe journeys home. All right. Thank you, Charlie. Excellent, excellent. Thank you, Jim. Congratulations again. <clears throat> um, I don't think I could have gotten better um, candidates for awards this year than these three people, and I certainly feel that they deserve every laudable thing we can say about them. But especially, I guess, for the other person on the committee, the person that was another personal friend of mine who I also lost to, to cancer this year. Um, Pat Hill was a person who lived what, is it, what it means to be an advocate and a good guide dog user and a person who's thoroughly committed to what she's doing on behalf of people with guide dogs. So I just want to say to Pat Hill, wherever you are, and I know it's a good place, God bless you and we thank you and rest in peace. All right, that was an excellent presentation of the Guide Dog Users Incorporated Awards, and our thanks to uh, Charlie Crawford for uh, his uh, his uh, humor and uh, and uh, good information about all of the recipients of the Guide Dog User Awards this year. Very very exciting part of the program for sure. Here's another important announcement that comes to the Juno Report via the Dots and Dashes publication from ACB. We think this is a very important announcement, and we're sure you'll be interested. Final Statement of Enforcement Priorities Regarding Service Animals by the FAA. On Thursday, August 8, 2019, the Federal Aviation Administration, FAA, put out a final statement of enforcement priorities regarding service animals. The statement responded to comments provided by a myriad of advocacy groups after an interim statement was issued in May of 2019. This final statement supersedes previous statements. The new statement provides several provisions that positively impact the travel of guide dog users. First, service animal users are not required to provide advance notice to airlines before they travel with their service animals. Airlines can only request such notice if the flight will exceed eight hours in length. In such instances, an airline can ask for documentation that the dog will not have to relieve on the plane. The airline can also request an early check-in. If an airline employee questions the legitimacy of a service animal, the employee is allowed to ask limited questions concerning proof that the dog is a service animal. This limited questioning is comparable to the three questions business owners are permitted to ask patrons under the Americans with Disabilities Act when the legitimacy of a service animal arises. Finally, request for documentation is only permitted when determining whether a dog poses a direct threat to other travelers or airline employees. The test used to determine what documentation is permissible is that the documentation must be reasonable to believe that it would assist in determining if the dog poses a direct threat. The final statement also stressed that breed and age restrictions for dogs are impermissible.
The FAA stated that a notice of proposed rulemaking should be issued in the fall of 2019. ACB encourages you to submit comments at that time. For more information or to read the statement its entirety, visit https colon slash slash www.transportation.gov slash airconsumer slash latest dash news. All right. I just have one question about that announcement. I wonder what kind of documentation my dog will be able to provide that she won't need to relieve for eight hours. I hope we figure that one out. Anyway, that's all good stuff. Now, I just want to make a little point of personal privilege as we close this first episode of the Juno Report. It's really not the first episode. This show has existed in the past and was very well received. We hope it is again. But I want to provide some thank you to the individuals who have made this show possible in the past. Dan Kaiser, Nolan Crabb, and Marlena Lieberg in particular, all worked very diligently to bring this program to you in the past. I will be hosting it now for the foreseeable future, and I hope you will find it useful. But again, I really thank those who made it possible in the past for this show to come to air. And we know that it reminds us of them whenever we hear this podcast. That's it for the Juno Report for October 2019. You've been listening to the Juno Report, brought to you by Guide Dog Users Incorporated, a special interest affiliate of the American Council of the Blind. The Juno Report is a monthly audio magazine featuring all things guide dogs, training programs, and items of general interest to guide dog teams. We welcome your feedback, ideas, and suggestions. Get in touch with the Juno Report by emailing junoreport at guidedogusersinc.org. Again, that email address is juno, J-U-N-O, report at guidedogusersinc.org. Until next month, this is Deb Cook-Lewis with the Juno Report saying, be good to your dog.